The nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hello, this is Leanne Meyer from Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, and I am so happy to welcome you all back. Um, I've been really appreciative of all of the people who have connected and given us encouragement, offered ideas, comments to help us continue to improve. Thank you very, very much. Today's program is called Nursing for the Future of Healthcare. And I'm joined here today with three experts in the field of nursing education. So I'd like to introduce you to them and let's get right at um, our conversation. So um, I have Kate Anderson. Uh, Would you like to just tell us who you are? This is Kate Anderson. I'm the Associate Dean of Health Science at Normandale Community College in Bloomington, Minnesota. Great. And Lynn, can you tell us who you are? Hi, I'm Lynn Johnson. I'm Director of Nursing at Ridgewater College. We have campuses in Wilmer and Hutchinson, Minnesota. Great. And how about Faye? Can you tell us about yourself? Hello, I'm Faye Upman, and I'm the the Director of the Minnesota Alliance for Nursing Education Center for Nursing Excellence here in Minnesota as well. Great. Let's go back again and uh, find out a little bit more about you. How did you get to be in nursing education? So maybe we'll start with Kate again. Okay. I have been a nurse for 30 years, and nursing was not my first healthcare profession. I initially worked in the hospital setting in a respiratory technician role, and I was just so really attracted to the role of the nurses as I watched them with patients and their families and saw the relationships that they formed and how they were truly able to help improve people's outcomes and make the whole journey better through that relationship. So that was really attractive to me. When I went back to pre-licensure program, my pre-licensure program was in the community college setting. And I just loved my instructors and thought someday I wanted an opportunity to go back (laughs) and be a nursing instructor. So fortunately, I did a BSN and then later a master's and did have the opportunity to return to a community college as a faculty member. How long did you work as a nurse? For 20 years. 20 years. I've been in nursing education for the past 10. All right. Lynn, tell us about yourself. Well, I've been a nurse for 40 years um, and actually in nursing education a majority of my career. Um, I'm in my 35th year. Um, as Director of Nursing at Ridgewater College. Um, I was a baccalaureate-prepared nurse. I was very fortunate. I was able um, to do that right off the bat. I was interested in nursing from the very beginning, Um, knew I wanted to be a nurse. Uh, Attended the University of Arizona in Tucson, um, which gave me an interesting perspective on Caring for people of diverse populations, it was a very good experience. Um, I worked in nursing practice in a variety of settings. 
acute care, cardiovascular, intensive care, uh, chemical dependency, adolescent chemical dependency, um, so a variety of practice opportunities as well um, early in my career. Great. Thank you so much. And Faye? Finish us off here on the circle. Well, I was also one of those individuals who knew from uh, infancy, I think, that I was going to be a nurse. I didn't have any other thought in my mind as I uh, contemplated what I would do with my life. I have also been a nurse for 40 years this year. I did about 10 years in practice. I started out with an associate degree in nursing, and that served me very well for many years. I was able to do some leadership roles, and I also worked in um, many different care areas, um, surgical care, pre and post care, ICU, CCU, bone marrow transplant. I did some hospice work and some long-term care work as well. Um, and it was when I was a, a nurse manager on one of the units, I opened up one of the first transitional care units here in Minnesota. And um, I had the opportunity to have students on the unit, and I wanted to uh, surely encourage that kind of a learning experience. And as I saw the students, I got curious about what it would mean to be an instructor and go into education. So I started uh, teaching on a part-time basis and found that I really enjoyed it and decided to uh, turn my practice into the practice of educating nurses. And I've now done that since about 1986 and I continue to advance my own education as well and have been just uh, greatly rewarded by the education part of nursing. I am really impressed and especially to have this very um, challenging and responsible role in a time when there's so much unsurety um, about what is going to happen in healthcare in general. So, what is influencing the type of nurse we need in the in, as we go forward? Well, this is Kate, and I'll, I'll start us out. But I think a variety of things. You know, certainly our demographics are changing in our population. Our population is aging, so that would be one factor. And this is Faye, I'll chime in as well. Um, the other thing is is that our, the, the environment in which we are providing care is changing rapidly. Um, most of our care is now being given very short term in acute care settings or even sometimes in long-term care settings. And there's more and more moving out into the home and into the community. And that really changes uh, who and how we nurse, you know, who we are as a nurse, our educational levels, our uh, focus on our practice area, and then, uh, you know, really what does that person need in this alternative care environments? Telehealth, nursing is huge as well. So yeah. that's a huge factor, mm-hmm. I think. I think uh, I got, oh, and Lynn? Well, I was Go just going to, to just reinforce and add to, to what Faye and Kate said. Um, as the acute care setting is shrinking and people, like Faye said, are there for very short-term stays, there are very acute and complex people out in communities and in their homes. And um, we need to be educating our nurses to go where the patients are. When, when all three of us were educated, we were educated basically to be hospital nurses. But now we need to move people out. Our, our nurses need to move out into a variety of practice settings. Sometimes they're making very critical decisions on their own um, because they, they're not in that acute care setting necessarily. They're everywhere. 
One of the things that I've realized, um, and one of the reasons why I started doing this show is because I realized that very few people really know what nurses do even now, what we've done in the past and what we're doing now. And so could we spend just a minute or a couple minutes each maybe and talk about um, what has nursing looked like um, uh, in the past and what does it look, how does it look different now? And then maybe we can talk about how we need to be moving to the future. Well, I think in the past... This is Kate. This is Kate. I think in the past that nursing and the nursing role that the public is most familiar with is the bedside nurse, primarily in a hospital setting. And our population used to receive that type of care, and that was an appropriate focus of our education programs. But as diseases have become more chronic, I think that um, we've really had to look at where we're going to be and the nurses needing to be adaptable and move into that setting. So we kind of went from educating that bedside nurse to educating a nurse that really had kind of a, a broad conceptual base and could apply their knowledge and skills to a variety of settings. I see that as kind of the biggest change. Okay. Lynn, do you want to add something? Well, and the demographics are changing as well. So um, we're, we're caring for the, the world is, is mm-hmm. very small. It's a very global world. And, and um, we're needing to understand and um, people from a variety of cultures and ethnicities. And um, so that is changing. Um, the population is aging, and it's a, it's a different aging population than um even a decade ago, it's a very educated population, very oriented on wellness. Um, and so I think all those things are contributing to um, the need for a different nurse and how we're practicing differently. Yeah, okay. Yes, and in addition to, to that, I would also say that um, as nurses, no matter what our licensure level or, of preparation is, LPN, um, associate degree RN, baccalaureate, advanced practice, we all need to be working to the top of our licensure, which means that as we are preparing to care for individuals in whatever care center or environment that they are in, um, we, we can't afford not to be the best prepared nurse and then to work to that level of our licensure. So it's, it's really changing um, how we see ourselves as nurses and what we do and how we do it and where we do it is is key, I think, to the health of, of our patients. So it's really, we, we can't be lethargic in our care. We really have to know that this is my scope, this is what I do, and then I need to, I need to stay on top of my game in order to really promote um, the health of people. So nurses are really taking far more responsibility than what we had in the past. I think a lot of people think of nurses as a handmaiden mm-hmm. or answering to the doctor, um, just doing what they're told to do 
and that sort of thing. And that's probably changing a lot. Yeah, an example that I have um, as well is that a few years ago, my husband had to have um, immediate back surgery and um, he needed a neurosurgeon. So he, he we went and we saw the neurosurgeon. Uh, he had surgery the very next morning. Um, he saw the neurosurgeon the morning after surgery and that was the last time he ever saw him. The, the people who took over his care and helped him through recovery, through physical therapy, um, going into the into the home and getting everything ready that we needed to do with the nurses. And so really he did what he needed to do at the top of his practice level and then nurses carried it forward from there. It's interesting. And, and I would just add to that too, Leanne, that, that probably looking back, nurses have always made many more independent decisions and accepted huge amounts of responsibility. But I agree with you. I think to this day, the maybe the public sees the delegated, the, the physician delegating to the nurse as, as a larger part of the nursing role than it truly is. I mean, I think it's an important part of our role in working together and collaborating is important. But I think it's always been, um, there's always been that independent decision-making. Maybe this is a good time for this question. Uh, why is nursing key for the health of Americans, for our population? And Lynn, do you want to start? Well, number one, um, nurses are are caregivers and, and providers, and they're um, the largest provider sector, what do I want to say? They're there with the patients, um, the, no matter where that patient is. Um, a doctor is not there. They're not seeing the patient beyond the episodic, whereas a nurse is more um, um, involved with the patient. And a nurse has to consider the concerns not just of the patient, but the family, um, oftentimes the community in which that patient exists, and as well as the clinical condition and how that's changing. So the scope of, of helping promote health and wellness um, for the patient goes far beyond the patient themselves. As families become more involved in care, the nurse has to take in all these considerations. Hey, would you like to add to that? Yes. Um, as Lynn said, you know, the, the physician is responsible for diagnosing and treating a disease or a condition, whereas what nurses do is we, we care for the response of individuals to those mm -hmm. conditions or, or areas. So um, we look at them holistically. Uh, we look at the, the whole big picture and not just the, 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 the condition that they have. So helping them to live and grow and, and learn to adapt to whatever's happening or to stay healthy, whatever it might be. So it's really a holistic look and nurses look at that that whole um, process um, of, a, of a patient or a client whatever environment um, Kate do you want to add anything for well just, um, in one minute maybe <laughs> when we come back but I think another thing really that has influenced nursing is the amount of research that nurses utilize I think we become much more research-based as a profession so that is another big change that has come about. That's actually one thing I would like to, when we come back from the break, I'd really like to talk a little bit more about that. I think it's kind of like um, the complementary medicine. Along, for a long time, they were just not accepted at all because there was no research. There was nothing that um, you know, for, for certain uh, doctors mm -hmm. could look at and say, oh, you know, this is 
uh, legitimate, and this is why. Um, but I think that whole idea of nurses doing research is a new concept and a phenomenal one. So we are going to take a break here. Uh, we've been talking, uh, this segment has been called Nursing uh, for the Future of Healthcare, and I'm here with three very knowledgeable uh, uh, nursing educators, uh, Kate Anderson, Faye Upman, and Lynn Johnson. We're going to be coming back in just a few minutes, and um, I hope that you will come back to, to join us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. What does health look like in an ailing world? How do we tend what needs our care? Join Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio hosts each week as we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, and I am Leanne Meyer. As I was saying before, I'm joined by some pretty impressive impressive women here that are nursing educators, uh, Kate Anderson. Do you want to just say hello again? Hello. (laughs) And Lynn Johnson. Hello. And Faye Upman. Hello. And we've been talking about uh, public perception of nursing um, many times because we're not seen uh, other than if you are in the hospital or have somebody who's in the hospital. And so sometimes that um, very ancient role of nurses as handmaiden is maybe perhaps all that some people in the public know about. But things have come a long way uh, in the nursing field. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this, uh, kind of where uh, particularly research comes in 
for nurses and nursing uh, practice. Uh, Kate, you want to pick this up? Well, Faye and Lynn and I are all members of programs and involved with the Minnesota Alliance for Nursing Education. And that was a group that came together around looking at how to move nursing education forward in the state of Minnesota, truly in response to nursing research done by the Institute of Medicine. And um, the Institute of Medicine uh, really had a landmark study in 2010 um, that uh, they worked with uh, nursing educators, with uh, practice arena, many different healthcare areas and sectors. They worked with our nursing accreditation bodies and really looked at um, where is where is the future of nursing? And so where are we as nurses going to provide care? And that was a huge process, a lot of research done to determine where is care going to be needed and what type of nurse are we going to have? And so that led us into looking at the Minnesota Alliance for Nursing Education and how we needed to look at adapting and changing and evolving the world of education to meet the needs of the future and the future of nursing. So that's a big, broad picture of how looking at the outcomes of patients, looking at where care is going to be given, technology changes, all of those things led to um, really changing um, very dramatically how we educate our nursing population. Lynn, could you talk a little bit more about what, how, what that education looks like that's different than what it's been before? And also, um, both uh, Faye and Kate have mentioned the uh, Minnesota I believe you call it Maine, the Minnesota mm-hmm. Alliance, Alliance for Nursing, for nursing Education. education. Um, that's Minnesota. So is I'm I'm guessing there must be something like that in the rest of the country. Well, actually, um, th- there's nothing quite like Maine, <laughs> but yes, people are looking at ways to. Um, facilitate academic progression for nurses so that they can practice at the top of their degree as the IOM report challenged nurses to do. It also challenged uh, colleges, community colleges and universities to work together to remove barriers for for students and nurses to progress on and advance their degree. So Maine is really um, Minnesota's way of saying we accept that challenge, and it is a baccalaureate curriculum that we've developed in partnership with seven community colleges and a university. It's one baccalaureate curriculum. Um, Our partners include, would you like me to name the partners or... Sure, sure. Um, they, they are Normandale Community College, um, Anoka Ramsey Community College, North Hennepin Community College, Century Community College, Inver Hills Community College. Those are all metro partners in Minnesota. They're all in the Twin Cities area. And then Metropolitan State University is the university partner. And then we have two rural colleges, um, my college, Ridgewater College, and then Riverland Community College that are also part of this alliance. And I just want to say that from a rural perspective, and that's where a majority of my nursing practice has been, this is um, very exciting because we are 
um, providing access to education opportunities that did not exist for people in the regions I serve. Um, they always needed to first become a nursing assistant. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but this was their only option. Uh, nursing assistant, then an LPN, then an associate degree graduate. And then if they wanted to advance, they um, would advance via an RN to baccalaureate BSN program. With Maine, they're able to come in, and it's quite possible within four years, whether they start at the community colleges or start at Metropolitan State University, it is possible for them to attain that baccalaureate degree um, within four years. And it's without, they don't have to step out and they don't have to be licensed once they have their associate in science degree. They can move forward. They can choose to become licensed and move forward. They're duly admitted when they're admitted to a community college. They're admitted to the university as well, so they don't have to apply again. And the reason this is exciting is, as we've talked about, we need nurses to practice at the top of their degree. And for a rural community, this is allowing an opportunity for that level of nurses um, in our communities that we serve in rural Minnesota. Hey, could you pick that up then? So then all of these community colleges and the two rural communities are then coming to your organization at Metro State for their BSN. Do they have to physically come here to the Twin Cities? No, um, that's a great question. Um, Maine has um, the same curriculum across all eight of our institutions. So um, it is a baccalaureate curriculum from the lower division at the community colleges to upper division at Metro State. So really all the students, they get a dual admission letter when they accept a seat at any one of our eight institutions. If they're at the community college, immediately they get a dual admission letter that they're admitted to the university. So all they have to do from semester five, which is where they do attain an associate of science degree in nursing at the community colleges, is just register for semester six with the university. The university um, has, in the upper division courses, they're hybrid. So there is some face-to-face. Um, some of our courses are all online. But if they're face-to-face, they, were on, they are on the community college campus. So the university goes to the students in their home communities or in their community college home campus. The students do not need to come to the university unless they would somehow you know, decide to choose to change cohort and maybe come to the university in that cohort. But that's kind of the beauty of Maine. We, you know, we, we wanted to make it accessible in the home communities and allow the students to you know, find their... Um, their their college and their baccalaureate program where they live, where they work, and where their families are, and and um, so it's it's no the university goes to them and wow. it's a great opportunity. It's I'm a great really impressed concept. with that. I grew up in a in a rural community, so that would have been very impressive to me mm-hmm. back in the day. So. Um, I just lost my train of thought here. Well, I'm going to just add, we know these graduates, a majority of them are going to live and work in these rural communities. Um, so, so it's very exciting. Well, that's also the hope because um, it's my understanding that we're still having not enough medical doctors in the rural communities and that nurse's role is going to be even more uh, a responsible role. Is that right, Kate? Well, I think that educating nurses, giving them the opportunity to be educated in their rural community just does 
increase the workforce in that area. So then to have advanced practice nurses and nurse practitioners, um, it becomes more possible. Mm -hmm. So the BSN prepared nurse can choose to take that next step. I'm curious about how um, the clinical uh, side of the training happens. I started out in a diploma program and then went into a BSN program. And I was always so grateful for the diploma program. We literally worked in the hospital from almost the minute we entered. And I've always wondered, how does that work for uh, the BSN prepared nurses? Do they get that as an ASN or how does that happen? So I think as nurse educators, we will all say the diploma program remains enviable (laughs) in the access to clinical experience that it could give its students. And that that really um, just is true. Now, again, the majority of those experiences were in a hospital. So that, of course, doesn't fit today's model quite as well. We do... um, work quite well. One of the advantages for the community colleges when we went to the BSN curriculum and formed together as an alliance is that clinical um, settings were much more interested in our students because they are hoping to hire BSN students Mm -hmm. down the road. And now we are educating BSN students. We did invite practice partners to be part of Maine when it was um, being formed and to give their input. So we had that input. Our students really do have a wide variety of experiences. So they get much more of the wellness and health promotion pieces. So they're out in the community. They're working with all age groups. They're in schools, they're in long-term cares, they're in assisted livings, along with the traditional hospital and public health settings. Wow. That's a very broad scope of practice. Um, so with the, um, uh, do you want to, Faye or Lynn, do you want to jump in? Is there another direction you'd like to take this? Well, yeah. I was just going to say it's not just the delivery of this curriculum, but um, the whole paradigm is a total flip-flop from what we all knew when we were educated as nurses. When the students start their first nursing courses, their foci of care is on health promotion and wellness. So they're already out in community settings. They're doing health teaching. They're doing assessments. They're really looking with at that whole health promotion focus. As they move into the next semester of nursing courses, their foci of care is chronic illnesses, palliative care, end-of-life care. And then um, the, each subsequent semester has a foci of care. The next one is acute and complex care. And as we've said, that isn't just in an acute setting. That They have a variety of experiences where they're caring for patients with very acute and complex needs. Um, the next is focused on families and family systems. Uh, then the seventh semester, the foci of care is population-based care. And by the eighth semester, we're really looking at that global focus of care, and they also have an integrative experience where they can really um, immerse themselves into uh, a practice setting and foci of care that they'd be interested in 
upon graduation and hope to seek employment. So we really try to to um, work with students in their area of interest there. Um, Faye, could you do you want to add to that? Is there a, I, I was going to change subjects, but go ahead. Um, and and just briefly as well with that is that. Um, our curriculum is innovative in the fact that it's a concept-based curriculum versus a, a um, medical-based curriculum. So we've moved away from the typical med surge courses or the separate pediatrics course or the separate behavioral health course. And we do lifespan across in every single course we have, but we also teach concepts. And so concepts are carried through from the foci, as Lynn mentioned. And so, you know, oxygenation as a concept would be in what does healthy look like? What does somebody with a chronic disease look like? What does somebody with that chronic disease look like if it's acute how does it affect the family and then also how does it affect populations so we carry a concept through versus diseases Mm -hmm. and if you know a concept you can apply it to any particular setting or patient that you might have um, no matter where you are so it's really a kind of maybe a versatile curriculum it allows a student to be able to learn and grow and adapt and then apply it anywhere they may choose to work. And that's why we say we create more of a generalist nurse um, in that sense, somebody that can really apply their knowledge in any setting. Okay, that's really amazing. Um, Two things, and one is a short question, I hope, I think, I don't know. (laughs) Why, um, and maybe you've already answered it, I guess, but uh, I know that hospitals across the board are really looking for BSN nurses. And, I know that that has been a challenge because, again, that clinical aspect, some of those nurses get into the hospital and feel like that wasn't what they were trained for. Um, I guess I'm just wondering how and when did it come to the point of realizing that BSN nurses is what we need, uh, particularly at the bedside? I think some of that is research-based also, Leanne, that when they looked at patient outcomes, and then looked at preparation of caregivers. There is some good research, and I apologize that I can't quote a study, but there is research out there showing that patients do have better outcomes when being cared for by a better educated workforce. And I think that really is the complexity of today's patient. And so that nurse with that broader education um, is just maybe better prepared to care for that patient. One of the things that I've really noticed is that so much complex care is happening uh, not in the hospital, not even necessarily in a transitional care unit, but at home. And that can be uh, respirators and um, IVs and all kinds of things. Um, Faye, you're nodding your head. Do you want to talk a little about that? Yeah, here I am with another example. (laughs) But my niece took care of her mother-in-law in her home for two years. She had ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. And um, she was on a ventilator. She was on the on the ventilator. She had um, multiple tubes for various things, a tracheostomy, of course, as well. She had a specialized bed for a wound, you know, keeping her skin clean and, and intact. She had feeding tubes. She had specialized respiratory treatments she needed to have, the meds she needed to have, um, and, and she was alert-oriented, you know, so but she had a very debilitating disease. So she was essentially a mini ICU in their family room. And, and this 
this is the nurse we need to have that somebody and she was two hours away for the nearest health care so that the nurses going into those homes need to have the the knowledge and the skill to problem solve to be able to look at something and know what they need to do and how to intervene and or say everything's okay teach the family support the family you know all of those things so um, essentially you're, you're correct you know care is is so different and that's why coming back to the beginning conversation we had was really you know who is the nurse we need to have and we need a nurse who's prepared to look holistically at that situation we need a nurse who, who's got enough confidence and ability and knowledge to make the judgment calls that that type of a care situation would need to have if anything goes wrong or to make sure everything stays right mm-hmm. and as well as to support the family yeah i'm just thinking um you know are we going to be uh, spreading our nurses very thin if you've got one-to-one care in the home um, I, and I'm curious how will that all work but, out will and, and, and that wasn't one-to-one care the nurses came periodically the family members took care of, the, of that person oh, they were Lord. educated and helped to do that okay we need to go to a break <laughs> let's just go ahead and do that right now um, you are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, and I got so involved in the conversation, I forgot what I was doing here. So, um, yeah, so we will be back in just a few minutes, and please return uh, at that time. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Today's woman faces a stressful world when it comes to staying healthy. We are bombarded by media messages with contradicting ideas about fitness and nutrition. We need to keep our diet, relationships, and stress in check. It's time to get the right message and have the most fun. Join hosts Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fennighaus for Healthy View Radio. It's health and happiness in one show every Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. 
This is Leanne Meyer, and this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm here with uh, three nurse educators uh, in uh, across the state of Minnesota. And I have Kate Anderson. Hello. And I have Faye Upman. Hello. And I have Lynn Johnson from Wilmer, Minnesota. Hello. Great. So we've just been uh, talking about a lot of different things, and we wanted to talk in this segment about evidence-based practice. Anyone who's a nurse has heard a lot about that, but it'll be interesting to see how that maybe has changed or how it's being done. So uh, Lynn, uh, I guess, Kate, do you want to start? Well, I can start out. I think that, um, you know, in the past, nursing had a, a long history of the way they did things, and they did things for some very good reasons, but in recent nursing research, you know, I think schools of nursing have really been trying to look at research and then move what is being shown in research into practice more quickly than it has been. So, for instance, you know, maybe there is a best protocol for a certain, certain wound care, or information that we learn about applying a protocol. And so trying to educate students to ask the why, to always be saying, why do we do this? How does it work? And so a little more curiosity and inquiry into the why and the how of their practice. And yes. also to contribute to the continuous improvement if, if, if um, reviewing process, initiating some research, nurses um, need to be very involved in how can we um, lead um, initiatives and research to improve patient care outcomes. And we oftentimes, um, you know, we have in, an informatics course within our baccalaureate curriculum. And, and I think, I don't know of any program who would not at this stage of the game in nursing education, but it's really about um, helping our students understand that when they are nurses, that the data we collect um, on an everyday basis when we document our patient care is really not just to make sure that we're documenting the outcomes for our patients, but that we can look at that in an aggregate manner and use it to determine, um, you know, are there trends that we need to be looking at? Um, is there something there that uh, we need to look at closer so that uh, we change a process or um, adapt something or make sure that we're doing good quality care and there isn't an increase in infections because you know, we're, we're, we're not doing something correctly or something. So um, research and looking at data is so important on a day-to-day -day basis, but also for the big picture of, of where we're moving, uh, the use of technology and how that affects our care and in many, many areas of nursing. I was just going to say, um, in our final semester, um, that capstone, capstone clinical experience, the integrative experience I talked about, students do a quality improvement project, and it really is um, in the setting where their clinical is for that semester, and they are gathering data and really researching and finding the evidence, and then... Um, proposing a quality improvement initiative for the facility um, that they had their clinical experience in. And it was really fun because last um, spring was our first cohort to graduate from the main baccalaureate curriculum. 
um, semester eight. And so it was the first quality improvement projects. And I remember going through and, and they presented them um, and, and visiting with one of the students who did a quality improvement project for uh, day surgery in outpatient surgery center. Um, in our community, we are in the process of um, building a new outpatient surgery center. And what they did um, for their quality improvement project, the center is using and integrating as they build this new center. It has to do with the ventilation and, and um, the protection of the workers in, in that surgical setting. So, I mean, that's an example um, right off the bat of how we're teaching them to be leaders and really look at this evidence-based practice and quality improvement. That's great. Is that published then? Or is it just for your own students it, it, in that school? In that yeah, area? no, it's it's part of the, it's a project they do. It is not a published project. Okay. But they do share it with the facilities that they um, have been working in. And, and like I said, this is, you know, that's just one example. The facilities were really excited about the projects that the students engaged in. Okay. So I just wanted to go back a little bit, kind of in addition to utilizing evidence. I think when we ask that question, what's influencing the nurse we need, I think interprofessional education and the ability for nurses to work with their colleagues towards a a best outcome for patients and families is another real change. So I just didn't want the show to go by yeah. without us acknowledging that we do emphasize that in our curriculum. And I think it is just um, a growing skill and really successful leaders are going to be skilled in working with others. Yeah. Um, in the time that we have left, I wanted to talk a little bit about diversity how are we going to make our nursing core more diverse? Or is that already happening? Well, this is Faye. Um, there's been a lot of uh, discussion nationwide about um, how we can enhance the diversity of our nursing workforce. And um, it, it's an initiative across many states to work more diligently at um, assisting the students that enter our programs and graduate from our programs more are more representative of the demographics of the populations that they serve and care for. So, and by diversity, we mean um, gender, we mean age, we mean um, race and ethnicity. It's across all um, definitions of what we would um, term diversity. In Minnesota, we have about a 6% racially diverse nursing workforce. We're a little bit below the national average on that. So we are uh, working as well to determine how can we increase that and through and especially helping uh, diverse students get to the, the bachelor's degree in nursing for sure and then encouraging them also to move on when they're ready for advanced practice roles. So we're, we look at very closely um, what, what does the diverse student need to have in support in getting ready to apply to a nursing program? How can they make that application the best application and be very competitive? Because application and entrance into nursing programs is a very competitive process in the beginning. We have many more applicants than we have spaces um, to educate our students. So we look at it from helping them to prepare and then when they are accepted into the, the curriculum or a program that we make sure that um, we have supports along the way, depending on uh, what their needs may be. 
and encouraging them all the way to to graduation. Lynn, you mentioned diversity too uh, in the rural area. Um, How does that look to you? Well, we're really obviously we're working very hard to. we're we're starting in the high schools. We're starting in the grade schools. We're having special events here at the college to bring people out here, um, show them what nursing's like. How do you plan for a career in nursing, or how do you plan um, to for a nursing program while you're in middle school, while you're in the high school? Um, we're having um, more and more. Um, of our diverse and in the rural area is the in fact Wilmer was referenced um, probably back for 2010 as looking um, like that the, the diversity in Wilmer is what they predicted the diversity would look like in Minnesota in 2020 so we're very diverse um, and just trying to help them prepare so they can be successful. We definitely need diverse providers in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Certainly would make patients feel more comfort- comfortable to see that the provider they have uh, not only knows their medical background, but also knows uh, who they are as individuals or as people. And there's also a component of that, this, sorry, this is Faye, there's also a component of that of helping to educate families because sometimes families don't um, always recognize the, the value or the, um, um, the, 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 their family member, their son or daughter might be good for a career in nursing. They don't see, they've never recognized it as an occupational field or career profession that maybe their family member could go to. Or um, helping families understand what it means to be the family of a student who's in a nursing program and the rigors and the, the of the education and the commitment and time to that education. So how can the families support them through that process, which is huge, so that they're not in it alone, but they have, um, you know, it doesn't matter if they're a single person living at home or if they're a, a working adult or if they're um, a parent, that they have that family support. And sometimes, um, typically, the families don't always understand what they can do to help. And, and sometimes that's a, a, a component of their culture as well. And so if we can help from an early on aspect, share what it does really mean to get that support based on their culture and how they can help, sometimes that um really maybe assist people to apply more to nursing programs and then be more successful once they get in. So giving them support along the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Kate, mm-hmm. anything really else you want to add to? about it early on. Yep. Yeah. So in, in Maine, we currently about 25, 24-plus percent of our students are from diverse backgrounds, but we do have um, some real targeted things working with nursing organizations, that represent diverse nurses, and again, you know, just taking a good look at how we support people in our programs. So hopefully can grow that percentage. And I think that there's something called holistic admission criteria as well. And um, across the nation, that is a um, uh, developing process of people of nursing programs looking at what do we consider application criterion and so besides GPA or maybe an aptitude entrance test 
Um, many programs are instituting uh, a, a, another form of, of testing, but really just checks on the resiliency of an individual. So it's not an academic parameter. It's more of a socio factor of I can do this and I'm going to find the right ways and the right support systems. So we really are looking at a different process of application as well. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. We're coming to the end here. And what I would like each of you to do and maybe in just a minute um, if there's one message that you would like to get out to people considering nursing, people who are in nursing and are maybe thinking, oh, you know, I'm tired of this, um, what's the one thing that you would like nurses to know? That's a broad question, isn't it? <laughs> well, for people considering nursing or for someone in nursing right now, I think one of the nursing is an extremely rewarding career. And one of the things that really sets it apart is the flexibility and the large variety of settings and situations that a nurse can be employed in. So if a job you get after your graduation isn't a good fit for you, chances are just kind of reassessing, redirecting, you can still find a great fit as a nurse. Right. And I, I would suggest also that um, individuals that are thinking of nursing um, look into themselves and see what do they have to give the profession. It's a very giving profession. Um, we certainly need to have a person who, who likes that interpersonal relationship and communication, kind of the caring aspect and the art of nursing. But nursing is also a science, and so that they recognize as well the the other academic parameters of nursing that we need to know. And it's really a puzzle of putting all those pieces together, but really researching programs, researching um, what what area of nursing they want to go into, so they find their their path and their program right from the beginning. Lynn, in one minute, what would you like to uh, yeah, let nurses know? That was know? going to be my advice um, <laughs> to, to as well. Um, yes, and, and just to emphasize, it is a rewarding um, career, and and you just kind of, as you move through the years, you kind of create, you look back and you went, oh, I did this here so I could get here, and like... Um, Kate said, you don't have to totally re-educate, you just kind of reorganize and retool a little bit, and you kind of narrow from a generalist, you become more of an expert in an area that you're very passionate about, and it's very possible in nursing. Um, there's so much opportunity. Yes, and even seems. as you look toward retirement, <laughs> there is so much opportunity for retired nurses. Exactly, and that's exactly what I'm doing is helping uh, refresh <laughs> nurses coming back into nursing. So um, this has just been really phenomenal, and I think that anybody who had any interest in nursing, no matter whether it was research, bedside nursing, uh, working with people at home, uh, community, doing any number of things, not to mention entrepreneurial things that nurses are getting into, uh, there is just no end of things and ways that uh, people can make a profession, uh, a career out of nursing and just keep growing and developing themselves along the way so that um, they don't get tired of it and there's always something new to dabble in. Um, I just want to thank all of my guests today. Thank you so much for being here. I'm kind of sorry we have to end this, but we do. So uh, this has been a Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, and we will be back um, on... October 2nd, and that will be um, 
uh, actually this will be presented on October 2nd. On the 9th, we will be uh, hearing from Ellie Peterson and Natalie Wu, um, a nurse and a social worker who are dealing with how to help nurses take care of themselves and make sure that they don't burn out. Um, and so that's going to be a very exciting program too. So I thank you again for your, for listening. Please tell more and more people about this, and I hope that we can continue this uh, program as we go forward. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.